All right, we are looking every week uh, at the Ten Commandments and trying to see they are not the steps to make God like you. They're not these random rules that fence in fun things uh, that God is kind of testing you with to see if you can withhold from those and be good enough or anything like that. Instead, the Ten Commandments were saying they're a picture of the beautiful and free life. And the Third Commandment shows us that the free and beautiful life flows out of a loving relationship with the God of this universe, and that involves respecting His name. And I think we instinctively know this. Some of you, this will be, well, this will be entirely too personal. But you know this experience. If you have a friend, but you find out that that friend has uh, been trashing your name behind your back, or making light of it, or misusing it, you want to revisit the reality of that relationship, if that's what's going on. I don't know, maybe, maybe you've heard it say that, you know, Christianity isn't rules, it's a relationship, and there's some truth to that. But recognize this commandment is saying that every relationship has rules that establish it as a healthy relationship. And if you're in a relationship with someone and at the same time always trashing that person's name, I doubt there's much of a relationship. And so let's read God's Word together and see how the beautiful life necessarily entails a respect for the worthy name of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father, this is your word. Uh, it is authoritative. It is inerrant. And yet, Lord, um, something particular about tonight, as we talk about misusing your name, Lord, I pray uh, that uh, the attitudes of our hearts, that the words of my mouth, pray that even the, um, the impression that I give... Uh, would not mock or misrepresent uh, who you are in the name of Jesus who loves, loves to heal and restore and move towards sinners. So would you enable us to see the beauty of God's name tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here is uh, Exodus 20, 1 and 2 and verse 7. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. The grass withers, the flowers fade, the word of our God, it stands forever. All right, let's look at this commandment under three headings. I went for four last week and got confronted by somebody as if I can't do that. So I'm sorry. Back to three. The importance of the name, the abuse of the Lord's name, and the honoring of the Lord's name. The importance of the name. First, we got to appreciate that commandment three will only make sense if we understand the importance of what a name is. Because let's be honest, if you're familiar with the Ten Commandments at all, let's just be honest. The third commandment doesn't seem quite as weighty as thou shalt not murder. Right? To murder someone seems a whole lot more serious than to misuse someone's name. It just kind of seems fluffy. And I would suggest the reason for that... It's because we forget the importance of a name. Ponder with me exactly how much weight and how much importance a name actually brings with it. You know that a name carries with it significance and power and is connected to that person. One of my good friends is a guy named David. Sorry. I apologize to David Felker. I was about to... 
once again. We'll edit podcast there. Okay, uh, my friend David Felker, who is the son of the great and legendary Rocky Felker, uh, if you know him. He one time was talking about how when he was 13 and his dad was uh, assistant coach at Arkansas, that kind of like any teenager would do, he just kind of started taking, you know, personal tours of the football facility. And so, you know, he would just be walking around the weight room and finally somebody didn't know who he was would kind of stop him and say, whoa, 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 who are you? And he would simply say, Rocky Felker's son. And they would move on, and, you know, they'd move on past. And he said the amazing thing was is you started realizing that the name Rocky carried with it this, with this significance, this power. And it was a great privilege. But he also realized this, that if he was to go into the weight room and, like, make a, make a mess of it, if he was to make a fool of himself, it wasn't just him. He would have been abusing his dad's name and privilege. He had the responsibility that in a certain way to bear the name correctly. Because we know this. Names are incredibly important. A person's reputation, character, and substance are bound up with their name. And so here's the principle. Your treatment of a person's name it always reveals what you think about that person. Always. To misuse, to belittle, or to mock someone's name, it necessarily means you are misusing, belittling, and mocking that person. And we know this. We know that with increased significance, with increased magnitude of a person, the weightier the name, right? If, if, the, if, the, if the President of the United States was to walk into this room right now, which would be quite amazing... Right, if the President of the United States was to walk in and I was like, what's up, Barack? You would be appalled, as well you should, because he deserves respect. His, his name deserves respect. So transfer that principle to the name of the Lord, and hopefully you start feeling the, the significance and the weight of this command. Your treatment of God's name shows what you think of. If you treat the Lord's name like it doesn't matter, then it means that the Lord just doesn't matter to us. And so that's, that's the reality, the significance, the importance of a name. So what does abusing or using the name in vain actually look like? What does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? Well, that, that word vain, the Hebrew word for that literally means vapor or mist. It's an image of something that's hardly there. It's an image of emptiness, of lack of significance, right? If you, it's kind of what you, if you throw water on a hot grill, right, it just poofs. That's it. That vapor lacks substance. That's what vanity, vain, means. And so to use the Lord's name in vain means that we treat the Lord's name as meaningless, as if it has no substance, no weight, like it doesn't matter. So what does it look like? What does it look like to treat the Lord's name like it doesn't matter? And sure, one of the ways is one of the ways that everybody, or for the most part, thinks of this commandment. That if you use the Lord's name as a curse word, you break this commandment. And here's the interesting thing. Our response to maybe even hearing me say that is, whoa, Brian, come on. I didn't mean anything by that. But that's exactly the point. That's what the commandment is addressing. How can you know the Lord who made you and is sustaining you? And if you're a believer, has redeemed you? 
How can you use his name in a thoughtless, careless way? That's the point. It shows that he doesn't matter to us. Second, we abuse the Lord's name when we attach his name to something he would not endorse. And this is where I want to spend most of the time. Even our advertising industry understands this reality and what endorsing a name it brings, right? So this fall, when, when a football player uh, named Ray Rice, when he assaulted his fiance, Nike and EA Sports and all these other endorsements, they dropped him. They removed... Why? They removed Ray Rice's name from their label because they didn't want to be seen as endorsing violence against women. They didn't want to be associated with that. It would empty the value of the name Nike. And so they dropped him. And then it's how much more if it's the Lord of the universe who has redeemed you, if you're a Christian, at the cost of your own life, of, of his own life. And so, on the one hand, it's easy to see in the past how offensive this would be to attach the Lord's name to something he would never endorse. But it was, it's heinously wrong to do this. And so, when in the past people have endorsed things like racism and slavery and segregation... In the name of the Lord, it's a mockery. Because he hates racism. He hates that stuff. And to attach his name to anything that belittles people, that belittles the image of God who is, that is always worthy of our respect, to, to attach his name to anything like that, and to an agenda that's contrary to his purpose, it's offensive. And it does tremendous damage. And actually, I think non-Christians, which if you're here, you felt this. Skeptics feel the reality of, and the weight of this commandment better than Christians do. Which is why one of the number one reasons that people don't believe in Christianity is what Christians have done to them. Because they've made a mockery of his name. And so again, it's, it's easier to see in the past, I admit that. It's harder to spot in the present. But it still happens today. To attach the Lord's name to a political agenda or a party, it's repulsive. To give the impression that like, I'll just say this because we're in the South, that to be a Christian means you have to vote Republican, that is taking the Lord's name in vain. To, to get the idea that limited government is some divine ordination from God empties his name. He doesn't put his name on that. And that's on kind of the bigger scale, but when it comes to a personal level or even a communal level, we do it as well. When we use the Lord's name to endorse or validate something that I simply want to do, it empties the Lord's name of his significance and, and brings them down to just my fleeting desires. And I stamp my desires with what? With the Lord's name. <clears throat> this happens in my house some, right? My um, kids who are awesome and who I love, they have found, though, that you can use daddy's name with each other to get things. And so, you know, you can overhear sometimes Shelby saying, Daddy told me, Annie, that you have to give me that toy. And she knows what she's doing. She's, she knows that brings authority. She knows that brings power. 
The problem is, I didn't say that. And so she's misusing it. And she's, she's whittling my name to fit into her scheme. And it actually empties it of, of its meaning. And so look, anytime that we stamp the Lord's name onto just simply something that we want, it's abusing His name. It's reducing Him. It's belittling Him. <clears throat> and look, if you're like me, this is when it starts getting uncomfortable. Okay? And I, I do, I want to tread carefully here and lovingly but truthfully. But anytime we use the Lord's name as a power play so that you think of me in a certain way or so that I get what I want, that's it. That's emptying his name. So think about it on a communal level. Dare to think about it with your sorority or your fraternity. Is there a way that you're using the Lord's name in such a way that simply promotes your agenda or promotes your sorority to make it more attractive during rush so that you can get what you want? You've just got to ponder that question. It'd be worth considering. We can abuse his name on the personal level. Are there phrases that we, fl- that we throw around? Kind of, I'm saying this gently. Empty spiritual phrases like it's a God thing that really are empty and do nothing more than promote our image and confuse unbelievers. That's it. We can abuse the Lord's name by attaching the Lord's name to things that we just want and we blanketly endorse it, endorse it and say, this is who I should date, this is the job I should take because this is the Lord's will. Look, is, is the Lord involved in all those things? Yes. But to stamp it as his divine revealed will, it's just dangerous. And lastly, anytime we engage in sinful behavior because the Lord wants me to be happy and therefore doing this makes me happy, it's empty in his name. It's using his name to bring about my purposes. We cannot attach his name to things that he has already said he is expressly against. And I really do. Like, I mean, I pray that. I, I hope I'm not being over the top or harsh. God is not harsh. But I want you to feel the weight of his name and its significance. Listen again to what is one of the most uncomfortable things that Jesus says, in my opinion. This is what, um, this is what Walton read for us. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And then while I declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Did you hear what Jesus said in this passage? That there are people in the end who will say, wait, we called you Lord, Lord. We talked and we professed your, your name. And we even did mighty works in your name. We saw people, people's lives changed in your name. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You're a worker of lawlessness. Why? Because they use the Lord's name in a way to simply promote their own lives. And it never had anything to do with Jesus. You're going to promote a name. It's either going to be yours or it's going to be Jesus's. 
And this, this is when it really gets convicting if you happen to be a campus minister in this room. Right? What, it, what are the motivations behind what you're doing? And lastly, we abuse the Lord's name. When, if you're a Christian and we simply don't live according to the reality of his name. This is the devastating blow of the third commandment. If you're a Christian, by definition, that means you have been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Which means you wear the name of the Lord. You represent Him. You're a child of God the Father. You're a bride of Jesus Christ. You're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And to profess His name and to wear His name but then misrepresent Him and our actions are our words, what we do is we drag his name through the mud and we empty his name of its significance. This is the devastating blood. Because we break this commandment if we profess the name of Jesus but then have no patience with people that we don't like. Because Jesus is incredibly patient. To profess the name of Jesus, but to have no forgiveness and no grace towards people and to posture yourself as better than everybody else is to misrepresent Jesus and the name that you wear because he humbled himself and he stooped down to come to my level to meet me and to profess the Lord's name as king, but then to have a life that shows no submission to him. It's just a lie. It's an abuse of his name. And so we've seen the importance, I hope, of a name. We've seen how you use and treat a name as synonymous with what you think of that person. And we've tried to see ways, I hope, that we overtly or even subtly, uh, subtly empty the weightiness and significance of his name. So where do we go from here? Like, where do we go from what is hopefully the devastating blow of the third commandment? How do we honor the Lord's name? At the end of the day, the third commandment forces all to admit this. If I treat the Lord's name, if the, if, the, if the third commandment reveals what I really think about the Lord, then the third commandment shows us that at the end of the day, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they just don't matter that much to me. I just have to start admitting that. And if, you, if we don't see that, if we don't see there's something deeply wrong with our hearts, with our loves, then you will leave here tonight simply committed to watching your language more or controlling your behavior tomorrow. And you've missed it. You've got to ask the question, how in the world does the Lord's name actually begin to matter to me? How would it work into my heart, a heart in such a way that, it, that I actually think it's beautiful? And worthy of respect. And here's the beauty of this command. Here's the beauty of it. God's law, yes, it always reveals our lack of beauty. And when we start realizing what God's name is, we start realizing we shame it all the time. And it makes me think of the, uh, the show Downton Abbey, which all illustrations come from my wonderful wife, Liza. I've only sat there and watched them with her. Um, and she reminded me uh, that there's this powerful scene. I hope this doesn't ruin it for anybody. If you need to cover yours, you can. 
where, right, it's, it's, back in the, it's back in the 20s where Lord Grantham, which, which, hold, which is a name that holds incredible weight and incredible riches, that's the family. Well, one of his daughters ends up pregnant out of wedlock. And what ends up happening is, right, so significant is the Grantham name. She feels like she cannot shame it. And so she has to hide. She cannot bear the weight of shaming this name with so much significance. And so she leaves the country. And when you start feeling the weight of what God's name is and looking at your life, you start thinking like, what do I do? I can't... I have shamed his name. But here's the good news. Here's the astounding beauty of the Lord. If you try to hide it, you'll miss it. The beauty of the Lord is going to meet you and say, now you're finally free to admit this. You don't have to hide this anymore. You can't shame my name. Because here's the taste of the gospel. I've been trying to convince you that names matter. How are you going to be motivated to treat God's name like it actually matters? What the heart of this command is the promise that God actually knows you by name. He knows you by name. And we misuse and we empty God's name all the time. But the Lord so esteems your name that 2,000 years ago, He takes on human flesh and He walks this earth and something interesting happens at the end of Jesus' life. He's taken before a religious court. What He's accused of, you know what He's accused of? He's accused of blasphemy. He's accused of misusing the Lord's name and taking it in vain. And he's the only one who never did it. But he gets condemned for it. He gets condemned exactly for what you and I do every day. Breaking the third commandment. But then it gets even more amazing. Because on the cross, he's undergoing physical harm, yes. But in reality, the real suffering, he's undergoing the curse of this commandment. Did you see the third commandment? It says the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who uses his name in vain. So on the cross, the wrath of God the Father, the punishment for the guilt is being poured out on Jesus who never misused God's name. Why? Why is it going on Jesus, the righteous man? Here's what's awesome. Because Isaiah tells you that your name is engraven on his hand. Your name. Jesus is not on the cross abstractly dying for the sins of of people out there. No, he's wearing your name. He has you in mind. He is so clutching your name so close to him that he is getting treated exactly as if he's you and me. Exactly. He's wearing your name. And so he's getting defaced and abused and punished by his heavenly father. And so look, you remember how I pointed out that, and even the advertising world kind of gets this, that, that we remove our name from people that will embarrass us, who would misrepresent us. And this is where you've got to realize that the Lord flips everything upside down. Because he says, actually, I only attach my name to people that, to people that you would be embarrassed of. Actually, I only attach my name 
to people who think it would be crazy for me to attach my name to them. And we say, no, 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 you don't understand. My name has been raked through the mud. We say, no, my name is associated with manipulating people. My, my name is associated with hurting people. My name is associated with abuse. My name is associated with homosexuality. My name is associated with hypocrisy. My name is associated with fill in the blank. You need to hear the reality of the gospel is that Jesus says, okay, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed to call you a brother and a sister. And he engraves your name on his hand and is proud to call you his. It's the reverse of Downton Abbey. These things that we're ashamed of, abortion, pornography, whatever it is, the things that we are sure will shame the name of Jesus, the gospel frees you to say, no, finally be honest about it. And you'll find Jesus enter in and say he's so proud to call you his. He takes the name that he should be embarrassed of and he wears it. This is the astounding beauty of it. You and I may be ashamed of Jesus' name. We might think that his name is not that exciting and we treat it flippantly, but Jesus is not ashamed to call you his. He protects and upholds your name so dearly that he goes to the cross so that your name can be written in eternity and never be tainted. He refuses to abuse your name. This is what it's saying. You really matter to God. You matter so much to the Father that he sent his Son to get you. You matter so much to Jesus that he died so that he could marry you and share his name. The incredible promise of the gospel is, yes, we've raked his name through mud a thousand times. And I've vainly stamped the Lord's name on all kinds of stuff. And Jesus is not ashamed to have your name stamped on him. He loves it. And that begins to change you. My friend, I'll end with this. My friend, who's a campus minister, Way, was a year ago. He was telling me about a conversation he had with one of his students who was a Christian and was also in a sorority. And she called my friend Way just, just kind of at the end of the road because she had had a night, really a weekend, of bad decisions, of saying awful things about people, of ending up in embarrassment to herself and to other people. And she sat down with my friend Way and said, I, I really, I've blown it. Like I wanted to get serious about my faith. I wanted to be a good, a, a good witness to my sorority, and I've blown it. I've ruined my witness. My friend Way looked at her and said, if you want to be a real witness to God's real reputation, if you want to witness what his name's about, then going to your sorority sisters and admitting that you blew it and asking for forgiveness and apologizing and resting in the fact that you've been forgiven by Jesus and you wear his righteousness, that will communicate what God is really like more than any kind of keeping it all together and being this good little Christian girl that never messes up. God's name and God's reputation is one that he is a God of amazing grace to sinners. And that's what needs to be displayed. This is the beautiful life. When you see who the Lord really is, when you see Jesus and you call on the name of the Lord to be saved, you will be saved. And that becomes a blazing reality, not just once, but over and over again. And you desire to respect the name of the Savior because His grace transforms you.
He's so amazing that his name becomes precious. And it puts you on a path of a beautiful life that displays Jesus' name in word and deed. And it displays that Jesus is an amazing Savior of sinners. And when that happens, actually, here's the crazy thing. People start experiencing Jesus' name with you. They start experiencing being refreshed by being around you. They start experiencing forgiveness around you and joy around you. Because that's what you've met in Jesus. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't that be a name worth celebrating and singing about? That's what I'll invite you to tonight. Let's pray. Father, if we at all uh, have come out of denial, um, we have to admit that we, you just don't matter to us that much. Or that's painful to say. But Lord, would you bring us out of self-absorption and help us turn and see that our name is written on your hands and you love us and you forgive us and you redeem us and you're about upholding your name through us. And so Lord, there's a lot of things that we don't, we don't know what to do or even how to go about it. But Lord, would you bring us joy tonight even as we sing and we experience the beauty of your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.